A good conversation can shift the direction of change forever. Would you leave it to chance? Join the authors of Design to Change and explore this series of conversations with designers and event owners. Driven by the need and conversations with event owners and event designers who use the event canvas around the world, this series explores the depths of conversations to elevate your abilities to look and act beyond the now. Episodes are hosted by Rude Janssen, Rue Friesen, Dennis Lehrer, and Paul Rukens, with illustrious changemakers, designers, and pioneers in the field of design and beyond. To explore these conversations and additional content, visit designtochange.online. For now, let's start the conversation. Conversations. All right, Marie-France, welcome to the onstage part of Design to Change. Good morning. Good morning from Montreal all the way to Basel in Switzerland. It's a That's treat right. to have you join us, uh, Marie-France. Thank you. Me too. It's For been those a while. of you that. Sorry? It's been a while since we saw each other, so I'm glad to see you again. Absolutely. So um, for those of you that don't know Marie-France yet, uh, Marie-France is uh, the manager of the academic and international events at Concordia University in Montréal, uh, a place that we were able to visit a couple of times for our EDC Level 3 program and um, really get to know um, the space uh, quite well, which uh, we really appreciated. Uh, you're also very active in MPI and have a prolific podcast and a number of activities with the event that are award-winning uh, over the years. So uh, we're delighted to talk to you today. Thank about, you. About a subject that I... Intro. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you should know that on my podcast, this happens a lot too. <laughs> yeah, this is good. We also need the giggles. That's really important. <laughs> because designing to change, designing to change um, is something that you were part of creating, right, last year in the EDC Mastermind. Yeah. Um, you're also featured in the book. Yes. And uh, so we'll read out that quote in a moment. But before I do that, I want to ask you the first question. And you know, the first question in the book is, a good conversation can shift the direction of change forever. Mm -hmm. Would you leave it to chance, Marie-France? Never. Never. Being a master at conversations is... Uh, is crucial it's crucial you know we some of the building blocks of event design involves one of one of the things that really struck me when i started learning about event design actually um and the con the theory behind it is this idea that you that the event owner and the event planner are not speaking the same language and are not saying the same things and if i can uh, parallel that to something that's happened to me right now or something that's happened last year as we've been uh, shifting our service offering into virtual, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm having to have these conversations with um, AV techs who are extremely knowledgeable and, and want to help and serve, but we're now not speaking the same language. And, and now that this is the vehicle to deliver an event is really online and, and through all these technical tools and things like that, um, it's even more important that we're speaking the same language. So, you know, you have to have uh, productive conversations, you know, um, and these conversations, sometimes you have to repeat them again and again to, to be able to get you know, to find that language together sometimes, you know, and to be able to start getting to the same page so that they start to understand you as a stakeholder and what's important for you. You can understand them as a stakeholder, understand what's important for them, and then start finding that common language where you can start to progress and to get somewhere. Um, so that's my take on it. So for sure, uh, being in event planning and the work that I do, my gosh, so many, I talk all day long. 
<laughs> basically. <laughs> a quote we wrote in the book on the page 156, right? Which uh, yeah. I'll just read it, read it back to you because it's your quote, right? But it's, um, <laughs> I don't it know says, if I remember. <laughs> collaboration is an accelerator for change, which mm -hmm. is what ultimately makes design better. Conversations are instrumental for good collaboration, yet not easy to master, right? So it takes yeah. perpetual practice. Yeah. And working at the university, let me tell you, it can get pretty frustrating. <laughs> I love you, but all my colleagues that I'm referring to, but seriously. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's quite a challenge. Uh, but yeah, no, I do think that, and this is something that I lived, a theme in my life I've been living again and again and again, is that we are better than just our individual parts. When we get together and we pool our resources, we pool our knowledge, our skill sets, our, our creativity, we always can achieve something way, way better than we had. Like the event, the event that I founded with my colleagues, one from Toronto, one from Ottawa, and me, culturally, even though we're all in Canada, um, we couldn't be more different. I tell you, like we always disagreed. It was always that if you listen to our conversations, it was like the debate club. And we were constantly, um, you know, for lack of a better word, negotiating with each other. And um, but but with all the respect in the world and we adore each other as well. But it, 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 it's all that and those iterations that created something amazing, something better. I, I could never have done what, we, what the result of what we had done. I could never have achieved on my own. Yeah. We, it was better together. And yeah. because we each put our things and I, anyways, I say that humbly, I could almost like, I almost could get emotional about it because it just means so much. And then the same thing with the mastermind group and the same thing with the CED community. It's, I really believe in having those communities to create makes you so much better. And it's super inspiring you know, talking to a wall by myself, I'm not going to get super far. Like I'm not going to, I'm going to get stuck and bored and, you know, the horrible loop in your head. That's like, Oh, like this sucks or whatever is going to take over. But when you're talking to like-minded people like yourself, or, you know, I get really inspired, like inspired and you can like really go forward. So yeah, conversations can be huge catalysts to something bigger and better. They can also be a bit of homework. <laughs> that you have to do so, you know it's okay but you, but it's no knowing that you're going to have like another means you know like that you're you're traveling somewhere it's okay yeah yeah knowing that you're traveling somewhere the next question <laughs> is about your what's currently on your horizon of change can you tell us My. about what's on your horizon of change today and today yeah. by the way is 17th of september 2021 we're still kind of in the midst of a pandemic right yeah. But what's your current horizon of change? What are you looking at? Well, maybe I'll keep it event centered. I mean, I did move to a beautiful new area in Montreal and I'm really excited. And that's on a personal level, really important for me. It's allowing, it's like, it's opened up a whole new chapter that I desperately needed. I left my pandemic um, bunker, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> and I'm on to bigger and better. And that's super important. Uh, can't underestimate the change of environment to change your outlook. Uh, so that's wonderful. And I'm super happy on the, um, on the terrain though, of events, you know, what I, what's to me, what's happening at a high level is 
is really this um it's a bit of a battle going on between like all these buzzwords of like okay we're going back to campus for events no hybrid well and then are your rooms equipped and hybrid and then virtual and everybody wants to get back to in person everyone's disappointed that it's not what they thought it was going to be and so there's this kind of like battle going on about this and this is my favorite thing that people say is uh oh we're going to go back and in my mind there's no going back everybody it's only moving forward and moving forward means uh, the virtual events and everything we learned from that and those te- that, that technological change management, that well, everything we adopted in this last year is uh, we need to keep, like, it's not going away. <laughs> the pendulum might be swinging to the other extreme, but we're definitely going to find somewhere in the middle where this idea of like using all the goodies that we learn, all the amazing things from virtual um, and all the things of, and of course we want to be in person, but I think it's going to be, have to be a mix of both. And it's going, you know, for lots of reasons, you know, to save the planet, uh, for convenience, to be inclusive, um, you know, and, and, and also just because of the limitations we're living right now. So we're in this kind of in between. So people are, I see a lot of struggle and people are kind of crying out and it's a new struggle before it was sad because we couldn't do things in person. Mm. Now it's because the in-person's kind of dangled in front of them but we can't get there. And because people, they, there are a lot of people who want to go get back to what we were doing as quickly as possible. And it's like, no, that's a mistake, everybody. We have to keep moving forward and let's invent something new. So I think it's super exciting again. I think it's going to be amazing uh, what we, the new thing that we invent, but some people are going to be finding it a struggle. <laughs> yeah. That's so what I think it is. With that, I mean, you're already headed towards that horizon. Uh, yeah. The closer you get to the horizon, for others, it looks like you're slowing down. But for you, the horizon just keeps moving up, right? So yeah. I think that's a very exciting prospect of how relatively fast are you moving versus how slowly are others moving? I feel like I I'm going real fast. Well. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm going really fast. Yeah. And I'm trying to make sure that others keep up, yeah. you know, around me. Like, and, not, and I don't just mean, I don't mean that in a, uh, self, uh, you know, about me, but more about like, I want everyone to stay engaged with it yeah. and, to, and to keep going, to keep up, stay on the train. Cause it's going to be great. Yeah. And don't get scared that your business isn't going to fail because of this. It's going to be better. So, so knowing that that's your horizon of change, we can mm-hmm. go down two alleys. One of them is we dig deeper into the horizon of change mm-hmm. or two, we can spin the wheel and see if we land on another topic. Or it might even be the horizon of change. Who knows? Which will it be for you? Spin the wheel. Spin the wheel? Yeah. Okay, let's spin the wheel. I'm going to put the wheel on the, on the screen. And we're going to spin the wheel to see what comes up here. Ooh. You're going to have to Claiming time. Okay. Claiming time. Are you ready? Very to- apropos to go down the rabbit hole of claiming time. Uh, yes. <laughs> so hard. <laughs> not the easiest one. No, it's really <clears throat> not. <laughs> and it's actually number six in the in the chapters, right? So uh, we're going to go down this uh, how to become successful at claiming time a series mm. of questions. And the first question we're going to dig into is um, what did you previously do whereby you were not being taken seriously when event owners were having the conversation about change. So was, was there something when you're having the conversation about change that you previously did, whereby you didn't always feel taken, taken seriously by the event owner? 
Um, yeah, I mean, all the time. <laughs> you know? I think people uh, often underestimate the value of um, the strategic, like the, the, the value of events and like how impactful it can be. It's some, for some event owners, it might be just part of what they need to get done. And it's just a thing they need to check off the list, you know? Uh, and they just see the logistics of it, like, you know, catering and chairs and what have you. Um, so for sure, I think uh, a lot of it, especially, you know, and I don't mean to drag the university under the mud, but, but, you know, that's not the first mandate, the university, it's to educate people. So they don't often see that link. They don't see the link of the bigger picture of like, well, if you do an event, it builds the reputation and then students want to, you know, that, that there's a, there's a whole like journey, a strategic way of like, I always say to people, I'm in the reputation building business. I'm not really to make, there to make money. I'm not there to, uh, contribute necessarily directly to teaching and learning but but by building reputation and building um building visibility for the university you know i am that you are attracting students to come back and then like and then the teaching and learning happens so people often don't find they it's easy for people not to see those links when it's not their business and yeah. they've not been thinking about it as hard as i have for a long long time yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. 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 Yeah, you're focused on it because it's what you do right um, let's go to that second question here, which is when asking yourself, why are people not taking the design process seriously? Right, that may have happened in the past. I'm not saying mm -hmm. it's happening today, but uh, <laughs> what critical behaviors did you demonstrate that others could have observed? Maybe some behaviors that got in the way of what you wanted. Um. So, yeah, I mean, people, there's lots of constraints, right? Uh, you know, and we know more than ever that people have limited time. And so they begin, and they often look at the event date as like the deadline. And then they're like, they take a few months back or a few weeks back and then they're here and they're like, I just got to get it done. They just, they see it as a, ta a, a, a task on their list that they need to check. Hmm. Um and uh, and there's a lot of, especially when you do repeat events, of a lot of just, you know, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Um, you know, so I, I have noticed that a lot, uh, but less so in a fun way. And I and I hate to say it, but like, you know, because of the standstill and everything turning to virtual, I didn't have to make that argument anymore. <laughs> you know, the it was already there. So it was there out of necessity. And I thought that was also, you know, not that I would ever wish for what happened in last year, but last couple of years, but, but I found that it was refreshing to not have to have that conversation so much because it was a, it was an evidence. It was evident that we, that no, you do have to rethink it and start like, how do you translate this into an online format that makes sense? So that conversation was a lot, um, a lot easier and way more exciting because once I could get over that hurdle what a much um, such a bigger and better production uh, um, use of our um, not production. Sorry, I'm speaking Franglais here. Uh, <laughs> um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, productive. Uh, <laughs> what what a better productive way uh, to to have this conversation. And then so we got to get into the meat of it, and that was really fun because I think people um, seeing is believing. You know now that we have that conversation, when I go back to this person, it's going to be easier. They got it. They saw their, they saw the, the benefits of it and they, and it was a really interesting conversation to have, but I do think it's a struggle 
having not had that opportunity, let's say, um, mm. to get people there because people are like, no, I don't have time. And they're just, they're not in that mind space. So it's really hard. You really have to try and get people in that mind space um, so that they're receptive to have that kind of conversation of like, hold on, why are you doing this? I'll give you a really fun example if you want um, that I thought was so funny. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> you know? So we were doing this event with this group and one of the things they wanted us to do was they wanted us, it's a free event, but they wanted us to um, charge the, everybody a deposit and only refund them if they actually attended. Hmm. And I thought, this is, why would you do this? This is so weird. It's a free event. And I realized um, quickly as we were talking, they did that because when it was in person, hmm. they were trying to cover their catering deposit or whatever. And I remember thinking, and they, and they insist, they kept insisting on this point. And I'm like, why? And then we're, we're doing this virtually, by the way. So there is no lunch. There are no mm. costs to this. There's no actual like hard costs. You know, we're the university. We're offering our services for free practically. So I, I kind of, and I, they couldn't tell me why, you know, why. And then I figured it out for them. I said, you're doing it because of this, but that doesn't exist anymore. Why would you do this? And, and they also would close registration. They really wanted to close it. And I was like, why would you? It's virtual. What do you care if they show up or not? You're not paying any caterer. It was hilarious. But what a what, what an eye opener. And they were like, oh, and I'm like, yeah, like think this through, guys. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. it was a it's a fun example because it just shows that like. Like, even though we were in the throes of it, their mindset wasn't there yet. Hmm. And it was really through. Um, and that's where I say, like, people have to see it in their face it has to be like right in front of them. And even then you have to point it out to them so that they kind of see, you know, so. yeah, and, and seeing it from multiple perspectives, right? Like what you're mentioning is it's, it's you're still going down your own pipeline of yeah. what does it mean to you or what does it do for you? And what is the function of why you're asking for that? Yeah, which but which brings to the next question, which is mm -hmm. um, they want one thing, but they might need something different, right? Um, wants yeah. and needs are two different things. What buttons are you pushing? to get mm -hmm. what you need as an event designer. Yeah, so yeah, you know, I mean, any good event des a designer professional knows you have to, you know, you do your needs assessment, you try to ask people, but sometimes you're not, you don't ask, sometimes you gotta ask things in a different way, like ask around it to try to figure out what they need, like you said, and not what they want. They, they people always have a very good idea of what they want, and they think sometimes that this piece is going to get them there, but it's not really going to result, have the same result that they're thinking, you know? So yeah, we have, there's a lot of like fluff that you kind of have to like move through to be able to try and get to what they need. Like, what is your real purpose of your job? So asking the right questions, asking the beautiful questions. I've been reading a book and it's about asking the beautiful questions, like the real questions, the ones that tend to be a little harder to answer. Um, that you have to really get to people and, and, you know, they might not like it, but you do it anyways, <laughs> you know, they'll get uncomfortable. Like, why are you asking me this? Well, <laughs> but yeah, so it's, it's, uh, I, I often have that conversation with my team, for example, of, yeah, yeah, we know what they want, but that's not what they need. Like try to think about, you know, even when we're answering questions, don't just answer the question, maybe take a few steps back and think about what is it that they need to know, not what they, what they asked. Cause what they asked is usually pretty surface level. And sometimes, you know, we know this, what they ask is what they, 
they, they, they, people ask the questions that they want the answers to, <laughs> meaning they want a certain answer. So they formulate it in a certain way to get what they want. Yeah. And, um, it's fine. Uh, but, but if you really want to give people what they need, sometimes you gotta, like, you have to look beyond that and maybe get to the root of what they're really asking. So, yeah, man, my, you know, Concordia is a great playground for all these lessons. I tell you, you should come work for me. <laughs> you can get a lot of practice. <laughs> yeah. A lot of practice. <laughs> Well, it's a village. There's so many people we deal with every day. It's a, it's a lot of people. It's over, you know, how many are we? Like 10,000 people or something? Like more or less if you think about all the casuals and stuff. Yeah. That's more than the village I live in. <laughs> Three times as many, by the way. <laughs> go figure. There right? you go. <clears throat> Let's go to the next question here, um, which you kind of alluded to a little bit. But how can you and your team zoom out and empathize with the event owner to address their required outcomes. Yeah. So if they're too close to their solution, too close to their, to their thing that they want solved, how do, you, how do you zoom out? How do you push it back? Well, that's why we have tools like the event canvas and things like that, like taking a few steps back and trying to get to the root of, again, between the needs and the wants of really taking a step back and thinking, okay, but what is it, you know, you want to, I don't know, have a million people for your open house or something, um, but what are you really getting at? And it's taking, you know, and in time, you kind of know the answers, but you take a few steps back and you try to figure out what's the change behavior that you're trying to get out of your stakeholders. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you re it always comes back to this, to, to the, to the change behavior. It always comes back to the change behavior, always. And that, and then, and then taking a step even further back is then thinking about empathy. So I think you can get a long way in life if you take the time to be empathetic to the person you're talking to, that event owner, whoever that might be, and try to understand their, you know, they might be freaking out and seem completely unreasonable, but then maybe understanding that they're getting the pressure from up above and things are happening. That can go a long way too, to sort of remove some of them, the excess so that you can start getting to the root of what you're looking at. Hmm. Um, and, and start really thinking about the empathy, the empathy map, like what people are going through when, um, the, when they're part of this activity or this kind of goal that you're trying to get to. So yeah, it's always about empathy. It's always about thinking about that change behavior and getting to the essence of that. And can you do that? Have you, have you been able to do that as a team as well? Is it, is it easier as a team or more difficult to do it as a team and as an, as an individual? you think? I don't know if it's harder to do it as an individual, but it doesn't, but if it, just because you figure it out, it doesn't really get you anywhere if everyone else isn't on board. If you get what I mean. I mean, that's my personal experience is that sometimes I figure things out, but if I can't get everyone on board or communicate it, and I can't just, I can't just shove it down their throats, they're not going to be on board. So it's not so much that about figuring it out that you need the people, but it's more about trying to get on the same page as your team or get, getting on the same page with the people you're working with in my mind. Like that, that, that's how I live it is I, I it's about because it doesn't, yeah, you can't get anywhere if you're, if you're not all on board, you know, and I'm not as a leader, you can't, well, you can, I mean, you could just tell people what to do at some point, but it's, that's pretty limiting in the long run, right? So you yeah. need to get everyone on board and get everyone to sort of, so it takes more time. You have to be more patient and let that, let people come to those realizations. 
Yeah. So uh, to top off this series of questions about how to become successful at claiming time, which takes a lot of practice, we know that, right? Um, <clears throat> the last question is, is your event owner not ready or are you as the event designer not ready when the time doesn't get claimed? Like when you, what's been your experience in the past years? <laughs> It's a lot of putting out fires. That's what my experience is. It's a lot of, it's, it's a, it's a lot of spinning wheels and putting out fires. And I can tell you this transition of trying to get back to campus has been a lot of that. I've, there's been a lot of lack of design, a lot of lack of, I don't mean some of it's circumstantial. Some of it's because we're getting messages from the government last night. I mean, you know, it's no one's to blame for this, but um but it's been a lot of spinning wheels and a lot of putting out fires as opposed to, and then that's very distracting because you're only, if you're spending all your time putting out fires, you're not really looking towards that horizon and trying to plan for something better. Hmm. Um, so it's pretty challenging and it can be, you really feel spent and, and exhausted and stressed and, and it's not fun anymore. So um yeah. Can you tell I've been going through this? Anyways, it's been, it's been something and I appreciate everybody involved, but uh, oh my goodness, can we just stop for a second and like think this through before we just keep reacting? That's <laughs> you know? funny. I was, <clears throat> so with this, with this in mind, uh, we're also getting some opposite messaging from um, actually somebody who was on the podcast, Pierre McNeil, sometime back, um, who's a fellow Canadian of yours uh, from Quebec who operates oh, yeah? out of Hong Kong. And in his podcast, we were talking about this very topic. And he mentioned as the event owner, uh, he feels like more often than not, he doesn't feel like event designers or people in charge of the events claim enough of his time. Uh, because what he's most concerned about is if the time at the event is not spent well, right? So He's happy to give up time before the event in order to think through how the event is actually going to go because mm -hmm. his biggest thing that keeps him awake at night is when the thing is on, right? When the thing is supposed to deliver the behavior change and it doesn't. That's really the biggest reputation risk that the event owner has. Absolutely. And so sometimes there's that opposing kind of contradiction where some event designers think it's really hard to claim the time ahead of time. Uh, while sometimes it's also the opposite truth that might relieve the event owner of the pressures and risks of the event not going right, right? So mm -hmm. it's interesting how we, you know, sometimes a subject gets turned into a subject that might not even be a subject just between the ears of the one that deals with the subject. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think we mm. need to dispel that myth or kind of figure out where does, where does it sit, right? Um, and when does it sit there? Because I think that's, you know, getting it on the agenda. The next thing is claiming time and then getting design on the agenda and then having a conversation. Um, I think it's just a very logical sequence. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if you present it as a logical sequence, I think it also gets um, experienced as such. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, that practical element is one that we just have to go through a couple of times and then we experience what it's like. But I think you're absolutely right. The, the change of context due to the pandemic has caused so many people to want to rethink or need to rethink their events. Yeah. Right. 
mostly the it's last. It's been so great. I love it. I love that that we can we can stop trying to convince people so hard. You yeah. know, I think about um, actually for my podcast, one of the tagline was uh, event profs who defy the status quo. Hmm. And, you know, during and post pandemic, it seems ridiculous because we're all defying the status quo every day. So we actually had to adjust ourselves to being surviving and thriving in the status quo. Um, and, you know, this thing, you know, even the um, event I founded a few years ago, you know, it was a big deal, but now it seems like an inevitability. I mean, it seems like we're all doing this now. It's nothing special anymore, um, which I love. I mean, that's the best part. I don't want it to be special. I don't want uh, this idea of claiming time or designing or or thinking about these objectives to be this thing that we only do for the special events, you know, like forget that. And so I like this idea that it's right? no. absolutely. So it's like we're evening the playing field or at least when everything had to go virtual, we evened out the playing field so that everything had to be rethought. And I thought, wow, what a relief. I don't have to have that, um, you know, have that fight before the fight, so to speak, you know, like we already have to design and do all this work um, and just to try and get people to, you know, think, but people, it's amazing how people are just so stressed about time and not having it. Uh, so it's really hard in, and I do see people are trying, are starting to scale back and are starting to go back to that old habit. Um, but you know, the other day I got somebody from, um, another institution in, in Montreal and they wanted to rethink their whole open house and look, they want to talk to me and they want me to walk them through the whole thing. And I thought, wow, that's pretty neat. Like, yeah, I don't think that would have happened before, yeah. but people are realizing that the landscape of events which is completely changed and or smart people are really starting to recognize that. And so we have to rethink the whole thing and it's still changing. And I think that's really exciting. Like people don't always enjoy being in the fog, you know, and not knowing exactly what's coming up next. Hmm. Um, but the reality is it's a, it's a, it's, it's a fallacy that to think that we know what's coming up next, even when we think it's coming up, you know, we, we just learned that like things can turn on a dime. So I think people have to start getting comfortable with being uncomfortable of not knowing what's next and start yeah. designing for it. That's a yeah. way to try and gain some traction in that. Yeah. Um, and I think it's super exciting now because yeah, technology and, um, and this more inclusiveness and this way of like where space and time are not these, um, they're not, you know, in, in the canvas, we have this kind of frame and that's supposed to be dictate how we're the parameters with which we work with and time and space kind of disappeared. And I think that makes it super exciting. Like, look at that. I can like stretch out my arms even more and like stretch that elastic and see interesting. Like we could do different things, you know? Um, anyways, I think it's super fun. I get really excited about it. If no one can tell. And, uh, and uh, I think that there's really interesting opportunities when you start breaking down some of the the paradigms of what we thought life was. I think yeah. that's great. And, the and I think the way you <clears throat> and the way you can talk about it, the way you address it, but also have a actionable approach. I think that's something that people really enjoy because if it's if it's all talk and no action to assemble the thinking into something practical, then then you also get lost quite quickly, right? So you can, you can, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. If you don't have, you know, and that's what I love about you know, do the plug, but like, I love about the mastermind. I love about the CD group is that I I don't think I would have felt the same about all this coming up. Had I not had my certification in event design, if I had not been part of the mastermind, it really gave me, um, 
I, it was such a gift. It really gave me that framework to know how to navigate into that unknown. Hmm. And it was super exciting, but like, what a wonderful set of tools to have, you know? And yeah, I mean, I'm not just trying to plug it. I, I, I really mean it. And and I, I, think I said it many times. <clears throat> and at the end of the day, that's all they are, right? It's, it's a set of tools. It's a mental model. It's a framework. It's a language, but it's yeah. how you use it that ultimately creates the comfort, right? So if you yeah. speak a language only a little bit and you struggle to get by, then it's un very uncomfortable at first, right? But Absolutely. once you master a language or you get really good at it or you don't have to think about it twice, then it becomes super useful, right? And it gives you a superpower that because you speak multiple mm -hmm. languages, including a language of event design. Yeah. Well, um, when I talk to certain event owners now, I, I say I start talking about something and I see what a different, they, their eyes kind of light up and they, they feel like I, because I, I guess I'm speaking, I'm, well, I am speaking their language. So it's really changed. Like my conversations with certain stakeholders at the university, they're like, huh, you know, and pourtant, I was kind of saying the same stuff, like, but just, I wasn't using the right words, but just the power of that language that I'm using now, people are really like sitting up and listening. And now they're like, oh, you get me. Or right you know or it, it's really powerful and it's really fun like because now I feel yeah it's like I have a little passport to go talk to other people in different languages that I didn't have before so <laughs> you know I don't know is that a way to put it but it, it yeah. just feels like I have an access pass um, <clears throat> yeah. and that's something that ever since you know I was uh, certified in 2017 so it's been a while now I'm one, I'm one becoming a veteran you know, in the world. <laughs> but Plus, the... my fans, I think you're probably one of the people that's been to most of the CED, most, <laughs> the most EDC level three programs ever, right? Because you you brought us from Toronto to Montreal. You said, I'd like to host this program in Montreal when we were in Toronto in, uh, yeah. in 2017. And since uh, that's been a really awesome ride. So uh, thank yeah. you so much for taking that initiative, because without that initiative, that wouldn't have happened, right? I think that's that's very important to to, to anchor. Um, on top of that, um, what we'd like to ask you is two more favors from this onstage part, which is <clears throat> the first one is we're going to send you those questions and we'd love for you to just fill them out really quickly with words, right? Literally like typing in the answers okay. or posterity so that those that are listening to this podcast can also kind of read that little worksheet and your view on it because many different people will give the answers in different ways. That's one question. Um, the second question is, next year, we would like to invite you again and to look at your horizon of change then and look back on the horizon of change that was happening now on the 17th of September 2021. Mm -hmm. because um, sometimes you can only see the horizons when you move forward over the horizons. And then looking back, you can have, also have a sense of achievement. So would you be willing yeah. to join us again next year for this same uh, podcast? But we may go down another rabbit hole. Who knows, right? Depending on what the wheel spin <laughs> says. Absolutely. Absolutely. Are you good with that? Yeah, of course. Awesome. I think there's going to be, listen, there's a lot coming up in this next year, I think, globally and probably, hopefully, personally, too. But there's going to be a lot to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Thank you for this onstage part. Um, covered a lot of terrain. Let's roll the closing credits. This has been another episode of the Design to Change Designer Conversation Series. Explore these conversations and additional content at designtochange.online. 
Want more right now? Tune into the backstage episode of this conversation and hear what the experts discuss offstage.